Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindley and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindley. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindley at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fandrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, Dynasty and prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 44 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. This is our fourth recording in the last eight days. Been a lot of baseball to talk about, and we got a lot more to talk about tonight. And with me, as always, from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's up, man? Oh, not too much. Just feels like we just did this, but hey, it's good to be back and chatting baseball again, as you mentioned. We've had a quite a few episodes out the last week or so which has been pretty awesome and exciting so hope the listeners have enjoyed i know the last episode with welsh was one of my favorites always good chatting with welsh yeah wealth of knowledge there so great episode and this episode should be just as good i'm excited for it as am i yeah go go back and check out those episodes if you missed them 41 and 42 were about all the trade deadline move which is kind of old news by now but nine days ago but you know still relevant in plenty of leagues and especially that 42, which is about prospects. And then, the, yeah, that episode with Welsh was always fun. Welsh is a good good friend of this podcast and a great analyst, very knowledgeable, good guy. So go check that one out. It's always fun recording with him. And we get a lot to talk about tonight. But before we get into that, the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Check out our Patreon for extra written content from both of us, bonus podcasts, private Discord access, access to our live prospect and dynasty rankings, and much more. These perks are available across four different tiers, starting at $5. Or if you just want to thank and support Chris and I, you can do so for $1 a month. Sign up today at patreon.com slash toolshed. And of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the network, including our other podcasts, SP Streamer and Fantasy Hockey Life. But all right, let's get into this week's episode. As Chris mentioned, we're going to talk some dynasty risers and followers, but we got some news and notes here before we get into that. With actually, this this one kind of ties into the risers and followers theme because this is one of our followers uh, in our rankings this week. It was just kind of put. Uh, Dave Roberts said the other day that Cody Bellinger is going to be kind of sort of in a platoon. He didn't use the word platoon, but he did say that most of Bellinger's at bats moving forward 
will come against right-handed pitchers, which, you know, with all the options the Dodgers have and how Bellinger has performed this season, didn't come as much of a shock, but he has kind of picked it up over the last week or so at back-to-back home runs, but still coming into today on the season, 173, 269, 308 slash six home runs. He had a seventh today in 52 games. The walk rate has gone down, but still pretty good. Strikeout rate's gone up. A lot of other metrics have gone down as well, contact and whatnot. So, Chris, in your rankings, how far did you drop him? And how do you think he can rise back to top 25 or so status here? Maybe not this year, but maybe 2022 or moving forward. Yeah, I dropped him to 38, which, you know, some people will say was not far enough. I think people have faded him pretty hard. As we saw, we ran a poll earlier today on the Toolshed account about uh, Mullins and Bellinger, and it was like 50 50. Yeah. People were there at Mullins, which was interesting. I just think this is going to be the lowest we ever see his value, at least for the immediate future. Like, I don't know. This is a guy that's just turned 26 years old. You know, that MVP season a couple years ago seems like a, a distant memory at this point. And while he wasn't great last year, he still put up solid numbers and he still hit for power. And we haven't seen that this year, but, you know, I think he's coming around. He struggled with some injuries and you have to wonder how much of that's lingering. You know, we, we don't know for sure. And the platoon stuff's interesting because, you know, he's been almost equally as bad against right-handed pitchers as he has right. against lefties. Yeah, he hadn't been good either way, but you know, first career, he hasn't been terrible against lefties. I mean, his career 246 hitter against lefties and career 272 hitter against righties. But with that kind of power, you know, he's still hitting for you know solid home run rates against left-handed hitters. I get that the Dodgers lineup is stacked right now. Maybe he turns it on and earns his spot back, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't play as much this year. But long term, I'm really not like overly concerned. And I think he's a good buy, actually, with the perceived value right now being so low. You could get him so cheap. Like I bet you could get him for like a borderline top seventy five hundred dynasty asset, which would be pretty interesting. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to look at my list here and and see like would you deal if you could deal Brian Reynolds for Cody Bellinger, would you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that one seems pretty easy. Randy Rosarena or Cody Bellinger? That one's closer. I still lean Bellinger. Yeah. T. Oscar Hernandez or Cody Bellinger? Bellinger. Yeah, see, like, I think you could easily get him for one of those guys, and I would do that in a dynasty league. Yeah, because I, I, I think people, like, not you and I, but other people are lower on him because I put out another tweet. So we kind of had two Bellinger tweets uh, today. The one being who would you rather have Bellinger or Mullins? who we'll talk about later in this episode. And that one has been basically 50, 50 right now. It's 51 49 in favor of Bellinger, but that's been back and forth all day. And the other one was strictly, do you believe Cody Bellinger is still a top 50 dynasty player? And currently that is 62% said no. Now, I still have him top 50. Uh, I have him a few spots lower than you. I have him at 45 right now, kind of in the same range as Matt Olson, Tolkosin, Winker, Freddie Peralta, Castellanos. Um, so I have dropped him, and I am concerned. But you know, I think there's going to be this middle ground that he finds as between what he is now and what he was in 2019. Like you look last year, like you mentioned, he was still putting up good numbers last year, even though 
the surface uh, batting average was bad. It was 239, but he was a little unlucky. His XBA was a bit higher, 280, 487 X slug. I think that's fair. You know, you look at what he did in 2018, 260, 343, 470, 25 home runs, 76 RBI. I think he can be that, but a little bit more power output. Like 260, I think, is kind of like a fair you know, kind of that middle ground spot for him to settle in at. And then maybe, you know, add in another five to 10 home runs. So I still think, I think he can get back. I don't know if he can get back up top 25 though. Like, especially if he's not going to run and he's going to have a, you know, a lower average than he showed in 2019. So if he's 260, 30 home runs or so, and only like, you know, five, six, seven steals, that's still top 100. That's still top 75. That's probably still around top 50. I don't know, but getting back to top 25, I think the average would have to be a, little, a bit higher, maybe run a little bit more. But still, you know, he's a guy that's going to contribute at least something all across the board. And he shouldn't be a guy that hurts you. Like, this is, like you said, the lowest we're seeing his value. Like, he's not going to hit 173 again. Like, granted, I said he's not going to return to 2019 levels, and he's not been unlucky this year. Like, his XBA is 202, so he's been bad. Like, But he still has a 9.8% barrel rate, which is well above league average. His exit velocity, while it's down a little bit, is not like down considerably over years past. He was always 89, 90 miles an hour. So it's not like he's like a drastic drop off there. The launch angle has really, really risen. He was always 16 to 17 degrees. Now it's 23 and a half. Um, so he, there are a lot of drop offs and a lot of his, you know, contact and swing metrics have gone down as well, but not a ton either. Like zone contacts down like 5%, chase rate up a percentage and a half. Um, whiff has actually gone up about 6%. That's, that's the big one. But overall, I am I think Bellinger can bounce back. Um, I'll give you a couple more, Chris. I got a couple on, on my list here, um, some this or that's for you. Would you take Bellinger or Cassianos? Oh, man. I, I, knew, that, I knew that would be, be tough for you. I know you're a <laughs> Casty guy. I knew this would be tough for you. I mean, I might have to go Cassianos. Let yeah. see how I'm close time on my actual rankings because that's interesting uh yeah i actually have castellanos just you know four spots behind him so maybe i should adjust that the age difference you know but still castellanos has been really really good so right absolutely and let's let's, let's give a pro, like another one these are back to back would you have torque or belly i think i'll bellinger there bellinger okay how about uh, we'll go another first baseman bellinger or matt olson Matt Olson, I've got ahead of Bellinger now. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense in, in uh, OBP as well. Yeah. One more. What's another one? Another good one. How about Bellinger or Jesse Winker? I still think I lean Bellinger there. I, I like Winker too. I mean, Winker is a top 50 dynasty guy for me in OBP, but he's cooled off a little bit. And so I just think the upside that Bellinger possesses is, you know, worth it for me to take him over uh, Winker. Yeah. And, you know, all these guys are very, very close in my rankings while I was picking them. But, you know, overall, I think we both can agree that all the players we just mentioned here, Bellinger has the highest upside. Do you agree with that? Yeah. And and you've seen it. I mean, you saw it in 2019. And I still question, why did he make a swing change like before 2020? (laughs) Coming I, off I don't the MVP season. I know it, it's weird when players make swing changes when they're performing well. You know, like this is to obviously a lesser degree, but like 
Kelnick made that swing change, you know, earlier. I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember when exactly he made that swing change, but he was coming off all that success in the upper minors, makes the swing change, socks, makes the swing change back to his original swing, and now he's taken off. Like, I don't get why, especially with, with baseball players being creatures of habit more so than you know, other sports, to make, especially when, if you were struggling, I get it. But if you're performing well, like you mentioned with Bellinger coming off the MVP season, why tinker with what's working? I'm a big advocate of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You yeah. know, and it was it was out of the blue. It was like a couple of days before the the season started in 2020, where everybody was like, "What?" It's just confusing. I don't know. Yeah, very weird. But moving on here, we got a trio of intriguing names here that are about to return. We got actually should be returning today. Luis Robert finally. And then later on this week, a couple of big arms, Chris Sale, Jack Flaherty. Chris, out of these three, who are the, you the most excited about returning right now? Who do you have the most shares of that you really need back right now? Um, I have probably the most of Flaherty, which you know kind of sucks, but I wish I had the most of Sale because I think Sale's going to be you know, really, really good upon return. I, do I just too. couldn't get myself to draft him, you know, not knowing how long he'd be out, which, you know, redraft. I'm selling a couple places in dynasty leagues which is exciting but sales has been so dominant i i know it's been you know rookie ball double a AA, and triple a but still he's he's looked good the fastball velos there he struck out 35 guys in 20 innings only <laughs> walked five so of course he should yeah. he should dominate minor league hitters right but you know the encouraging things you like to see are that the velo is there the command is there so i think he'll be just fine i think he's going to step in and be a dominant pitcher so i'm very excited because if you look back i mean his struggles in 2019, there were some injuries involved in that. And, you know, he didn't really want to admit it. He didn't want to stop pitching. And then we obviously know what happened in 2020 at Tommy John surgery. So if you if you look behind 2019, he's just been elite, like, you know, top, easily top five pitcher in baseball for yep. like a good 10 years. So I'm not really worried about him. I think he's going to come back and be a stud. So he's one I'm most excited about. Yeah, man. Like I, I saw Chris Sale in one of those double A starts, and he, I think he had eight strikeouts in three and two thirds, or something, something like that. Well, it was a ton of strikeouts, as you mentioned. He had like thirty-five at twenty innings. Yeah, and yeah, he, he looked good. Like it wasn't obviously like you mentioned guys like Chris Sale are supposed to dominate double A hitters, you know, or triple <laughs> or any minor league hitter. Um, guys that have been Cy Young caliber pitchers for a better part of a decade now, but he just looked good. Like he was hitting ninety-six, ninety-seven. He, he hit ninety-eight a few times. Though I do think the gun at Hadlock Field in Portland might be a little hot. It seems to be registering a little high in some of these pitchers. So it might, take that with a grain of salt. But he was still, regardless, velocity was very good in mid-90s. The slider, they couldn't touch the slider. Like It was as filthy as it's been. Like I have not, as a Red Sox fan that watches basically every Chris Sale start, I have not seen Chris Sale look this good. And like it's nothing to do with the level of competition or the stats that he had in his outings. Just looking at what he was doing on the mound, his pitches and whatnot, he he was as electric and as sharp I've seen him since probably mid twenty eighteen. So I'm very excited. With that said, I don't think he's like I think they're gonna baby him um, going into the playoffs, or hopefully they they make the postseason here because the Red Sox are currently two and nine in the last eleven games after blowing another lead to Toronto today. But he's gonna be, I think an elite strikeout source, good ratios. It just might be the innings might not be there, but I think it wouldn't surprise me if he was similar to like a Freddie Peralta rest of the rest of the way, 
you know, Peralta's kind of being held back a little bit right now down the stretch by Milwaukee, but still posting, you know, good ratios, you know, a lot of strikeouts. I think Sale could be close to that. So rest of the way, I think he's a top 30 arm in Dynasty. I think, you know, right now I have him just outside my top 20 arms in Dynasty, but if he comes back, like this is kind of a, the rest of the year is kind of like a, you know, a show me for Chris Sale. Like if he comes back and shows me that he can be, you know, still maybe he's not peak Chris Sale because he, you know, maybe that's never going to come back. But if he can show me that he can be still a very good arm and like 90% of peak Chris Sale, he's definitely still a top 20 arm and I'll move him back up accordingly in my ranking. So uh, definitely very excited. And, you know, Luis Robert about, I have a ton of Luis Robert shares and, you know, he's obviously the hot guy that's ranked highest for me out of this trio and dynasty. Uh, he's still in my top 20 because I still believe that, you know, that he has top five upside of the hit tool develops. I know big if, but that power speed lend one of the top power speed lens in the game. And he was showing a little bit of, you know, improvements in his plate approach earlier in the year, but obviously very small sample size before he got hurt. But, do you think that I know with OBP your ranking, so you probably have a bit lower than I do for average, but do you think that Robert can still make those adjustments and be top fifteen, top ten guy moving forward, maybe the next yeah, couple of years? Yeah, I definitely think so. And even in OBP, I still have him twentieth because I think the upside is there, like you mentioned. I think there's thirty thirty upside. And you know, even from an OBP standpoint, yeah, last year he had a 302 OBP, but he also hit 233. So I think that he's the type of guy that even if he's a, a 330, 340 OBP, it's going to play because of the power speed. And, you know, he's the upside you can dream on when we think about like the Tati, Sacuna type players. Like he's the one that can get that because he has that power speed upside. Just if the hit tool develops, I think that's the biggest thing. Like you mentioned, he had 103 plate appearances early on the year, and he showed improvement. So let's hope that trend continues, and he's definitely an exciting one that you know, even as we both have him top 20, I think he continued to move up. Only 24 years old, just turned 24. So still young, still plenty of time to figure things out, and highly excited about him coming back and to see you know what he can do and where he's at post-injury. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, moving on to another talented but flawed young outfielder, you know, Joe Adele got the call back up you know, several days ago. Now, um, you know, he's been up and down so far. He's gotten some hits, but uh, and one steal in his first game back, but hasn't hit a home run yet. But you know, where are you at, Chris, on Joe Adele? Because I still have him. He's been right around the back end of my top 100 uh, for the last few months now. I've kind of been keeping him there just because of the upside, and you know, he was showing some you know, improvements in the minor league, even granted it's triple A, it's the minor leagues and you want him to show these improvements at the major league level, but he was still hitting for elite power. The strikeout rate dropped each of the three months. He was in triple A this year down to 23.2% over the month of July. He was stealing a little more, which is great to see. We know he has that speed, but he hasn't really kind of wanted to steal many bases over the last couple of years. So good to see that. So I still think he can be a top 50 or so guy moving forward here. Uh, if if these improvements he's shown in AAA kind of stick here in the majors, where are you at on Joe Adele? He's such a tough one to to gauge his value. He, he's so tough. He's all over the board, but like you mentioned, his strikeout rate early on in the minor leagues was terrible. I mean, he was struggling really bad, and then in July something kind of clicked. 
uh, pulling up right now. He was a 32% K rate in AAA, just a 6% walk rate from the beginning of the season through the end of June. And you know, there he had a 262, 318, 579 slash. You know, he was hitting for power still. But then in July, he started to make some adjustments. And I think he knew that he had to because he obviously wanted to get the call, come back up. And the K rate dropped to 24.4% and the walk rate up to 7.6% over that month slash 339, 387, 615, which major gains there. Still hit seven home runs over that span, five stolen bases. Pretty impressive. And like you said, even though he hasn't swatted a home run just yet in the majors, the strikeout rate is down, which you love to see that, which is a big step for him. Just 20. I know it's a small sample. Yeah, I get that. But 23.8% is encouraging a near 10% walk rate. So I'd be curious if those stick. I don't think that he's anywhere near like a, a three inner type hitter. I think we can kind of just, you know, throw that out the window at this point. I think he's a 260 type hitter, but has like 35 home run, 15 stolen base upside. Not saying he's going to hit that, but that's the potential here. So I think that's, easily a, a top 50 player if he does hit that, but we're going to have to see if this continues. Hopefully the contact metrics stick, the strikeout rate stays down and we'll see how he develops right now. I've got him at 141 in my dynasty rankings for OBP purposes. Anyway, like I said, the walk rate has been lower, but I'm curious if it sticks, if it moves up, I think he can move up a lot. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, the a comp that I heard in the past that I kind of liked is Justin Upton, back from like his early days with like Arizona and a couple of years he had with you guys down in Atlanta, you know, like his two Atlanta, maybe, uh, you know, maybe Adele hits for a bit more power than Upton did, but you know, there was a while where he was like the two years in Atlanta with you guys, 2013, 2014, he hit 263 and 270, 27 home runs, 29 home runs, eight steals each year. You know, that was, he was running like a 30, he only played 149, 154 games. So, Probably right on a 30-10 pace, around 260-270. I think I think that's fair. I do think there's a bit more up, uh, power upside with Adele, and he doesn't walk as much as, as Justin Upton did. Upton was over 10% in his career. I don't think Adele ever sniffs 10%. He's to be one of those low kind of like 5 6% walk guys probably. But I do think the contact steals are there to hit 260. I do think there's 10 to 15 steal upside with him. I think there's 20-plus if he started to run that much, but doesn't look like he's going to run that much. But – yeah, still, I think 35-15 is definitely in play here with a you know lower average, lower OBP, but definitely you know can be a top 50 guy moving forward. And I think it wouldn't surprise me if he was, because I think that sounds a lot like what we're describing Cody Bellinger too. So I think fast forward five years, I wouldn't be totally shocked if Adele was being drafted ahead of Bellinger. I wouldn't yeah. bet money on it. I'd still bet money on Bellinger being ahead, but it wouldn't surprise me. If, it, if everything clicks with Adele, he think he's got that type of upside. So... Definitely am buying Adele here. I, I wrote a quick article on him on our Patreon the other day, so I'm definitely still mostly in on Adele, just with slightly tempered expectations as to what we kind of expected out of him back in you know 2019 or so when he popped up as a top five prospect. Uh, one other bit of news and notes here before we get into our movers, dynasty movers here is Ramon Laureano the other day suspended 80 games for a word. I can't remember what it was, something, something zone or something like that. There's so many of these, like I can't keep all these steroids straight. <laughs> it's like they're usually long names and it's never the same one. Like every time you see someone busted for steroids, it's always a different whatever, right? right. Like <laughs> it's usually like 17 letters that you can't pronounce. Only doctors can say it. I think um, it's Nandrolone. <laughs> Nandrolone. Yeah. Nandrolone. 
Dandelion. Okay. So that's a little shorter than 17 letters, but another one. It's like, I don't know where they come up with these. It's like they just jam the keyboard and come up with a, a word here. You see, it reminds me of like you see like those uh, commercials for like uh, I don't know allergy medication or something like that. It's like yeah. some word that says like X Z Y. It's like where, where do you get these words? Um, but yeah, Loriano is gonna be out for eighty games, which puts him out for the rest of this year and most of April next year. Now, this is a guy that had kind of a weird season. He was you know hitting for power at one point with not much speed, then that flip flop. He was stealing bases, not hitting for much power. And then he's kind of he slowed down over the last month or two here. So at, earlier in the year, I had him top 100 in my rankings. Then with the struggles, I bumped him down outside of that. And now with his suspension, I moved him down outside of my top 150. But still, you know, he's still a solid player. He had 14 home runs, 12 steals, 246 average this year. Um, but struggled last year after his really good 2019. So where are you at with Lariano? Is he still... You know, when he comes back, is he a top 100 player for you, or are you a bit lower than that? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, you mentioned he's had a weird year, but since the start of May, 11 home runs, just four stolen bases, which is interesting, the power being there. You think of him more as a speed guy. Just a 255 average and a 327 OBP over that time. I don't know. I mean, the profile's been weird because, you know, over that first month, he was like, he led the league in steals for a while just because right. the first two weeks, I think he just ran wild. And then that flip-flop, he was hitting for power and not stealing much. It was, it was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Even for the season, 246, 317, 443. I don't know. I mean, the profile's interesting, but he's not like a, a standout profile. You know, I think he's maybe a borderline, like, top 150 player, but it just depends on what kind of guy we see coming back and was his performance actually enhanced by this, you know? So who knows? Like maybe the power does go hard to say for sure. I mean, he did it in 2019 at 24 home runs over 481 play appearances. So, you know, it's, you know, I say that lightly, maybe the power goes, but this year, I don't know. The profile's weird. It's hard to make up like what exactly was he doing, but right. yeah, I don't know. I struggle to see him being like a top 100 guy moving forward especially if he's not running. So that'll be the interesting thing. But yeah, it was, it was funny when the news popped up, you see uh, Ramon Laureano testing positive, then you assume COVID, but then note performing enhance, enhancements and out 80 games. So really stinks, but I guess that's what you get when you do that. So I guess we'll yeah. see you next May. Maybe yeah. Right. See you next, yep. See you next May. And I, I wonder too, it's kind of weird. Like now you, a lot of people are like, Oh, now the Marte trade makes a lot of sense. Like, I wonder if they knew about this. Yeah. That was one of their driving factors and, you know, why they made that deal. I'm not saying, you know, you go out and get a Marte, you get a Marte because he's a very, very good player. But, right. yeah, it was, you know, like the timing, like, oh, yeah, I wonder if they knew about this a few days ago. <laughs> and that's what kind of like, all right, we need to go get an outfielder now because we're in playoff contention here. Um, yeah, I, I have Lariano right. I have him 149 at the current point in time. That might change over the next few days before my update goes up on Fantrax HQ. But, you know, would you rather have Lariano? See, he was one of the outfielders in this range, or Brendan Marsh? Uh, for Dynasty? Yeah. Probably Lariano. All right. Lariano or Trevor Larnick? Uh, Lariano. And I, I think, like, when you think about Marsh, like, I think you hope he becomes Lariano. So that's kind of yeah, why I live that way. Yeah, that's totally fair. How about we'll do one more Lariano or that's another good one here. I'm trying to stick in the outfield. Um Kevin Biggio. 
Oh, God. <laughs> Laureano again. <laughs> all right. But I think that's a, a good range for him. A 150. Those guys are all 150, give or take, in my rankings. Um, so, yeah, definitely kind of not out on Laureano, but definitely I think he's been overrated at times. He's just too inconsistent for me. Yeah. Like 213 last year. This year, we mentioned up and down. You know, still, he's a potential 2020 guy, but, you know, who knows what it's going to look like at the end of the season or even when he what he looks like when he comes back next year. Who knows? But uh, moving on here, let's get into our risers and followers. We'll start with the followers first. Get the followers out of the way, and we'll talk the risers after the break here. Let's start with the hitters here. We have several names on our list here. A lot of corner infielders. Most of these guys are corner infield except for one. Um, I think the biggest name we have on here are the two biggest names. We'll start with these two. Anthony Rendon, who is now for the year having hip surgery, and he was terrible anyway. So I don't think you, anybody that has Anthony Rendon, you're not going to be missing much because he was in and out of the lineup all year anyway. And like I mentioned, he wasn't good. Uh, and then the other name here, Yohan Moncada, who's just kind of weird right now. He's not necessarily be, you know performing terribly, but much lower than we thought he'd perform. But, you know, Rendon, 58 games, 240, 329, 382 slash, six home runs, 34 RBI, 24 runs scored. He's been battling, you know, injuries for the better part of basically his entire career. He's only had 150 games played twice, the last of which was back in 2016. Is Rendon a top 100 guy for you anymore, Chris? I think he still has the bat to be. But I think at this point he's just too risky to be top 100. But and that, and that hip, you know, those hips have a, injuries have a way of lingering. Maybe we can ask Nick Savali about that. But where, where are you at on Rendon right now? I dropped him to 93, but I think outside the top 100 is probably fair. Yeah, also factor in that he's 31 years old. He's not getting any younger exactly. by any means, and he hasn't really been good since his contract year. I mean. That was his big breakout. And, you know, in 2017 and 2018, he hit 301 and 308, but the power really broke out in 2019 when a lot of people's power broke out when we had the the bouncy ball in play. And, you know, since then, just hasn't really been good. Last year, nine home runs. Now, he did slash 268, 418, 497. But this year, I think injuries have definitely affected him. But still, the numbers just aren't there. And even still, like, you look at, the barrel rate's pretty comparable to last year. The, the average exit velocity pretty comparable. Launch angle got a little high, which I think the pro, that's probably the biggest issue, just hitting more fly balls with not enough power. And it's interesting. I mean, it's pretty much the same profile as, as last season. So you kind of worry that maybe he's never that guy again that we saw in 2019. And I don't know if he ever returns to that value. I don't, I don't really see him being a top 50 player ever again, personally. No, I don't either. Yeah, so yeah. that'll be interesting. I mean, his, his chase rates are still good. His whiff rates are still borderline elite. Walk and strikeout rates are great, but everything else is just not there. So he's definitely one I'm worried about. And, you know, I don't, I just think his value can really only go down. It's not like he's bottomed out. Like, I just don't see him really returning to that, you know, high end status again. Yep. I, I totally, totally agree with that. And the Angels have five more years and, about 175 or so million dollars yep. left on that deal. So good luck with that. Right. Um, like I said, I think, I think we both agree that he can still be a, a good bat, um, but one that you can't count on to play, you know, 150 plus for the most part. And, you know, is he going to be back to ever 
you know, 2019 levels where he was top three MVP, 319, 412, 598, 34, 126, 117. I highly doubt it, but maybe, you know, year before that, 2492, 308. You know, he still, you mentioned, you know, all the contact metrics and, and the whiff rates and all that. Like he's still a good hitter, but just a hitter you only can count on for 130 to 140 games for the most part. So, yeah, definitely have dropped him out. He's now, I know I put him right near 100. I probably should have written this down, but where is he? I can't find him right now. He should be. Let me do a quick uh, control. Oh, one, I have him 115 right now. Um, nice. Just because just because of the age. and But I think he can bounce back. He, like, he, he comes back next year, you know, and gets out of the gate looking pretty good. He'll jump back up a good ton, probably up in the 70 to 80 range for me. So, um, but yeah, definitely one falling down rankings right now. Um, and then the other one here, you know, Yuan Moncada. I just can't, I can't figure out what, and I don't think he can figure it out either, like what he wants to be as a player. You know, at one point he was like, all right, I'm going to be a, a big power guy. And then, you know, he showed elite speed at other times. Um, but this year he just hasn't really put it all together. It's been very spotty overall. The production is underwhelming. He's not stealing many bags anymore. Still has a decent 65th percentile sprint speed, but only three steals right now and 426 plate appearances. That's very, very odd for a guy like Yohan Moncada. And it's not like he's hitting for a ton of power. Nine home runs, um, 48 RBI, 49 run score. Decent, I guess. 255, 371, 392 slash. So OBP is still solid. You know, he's a 14.2% walk rate just top 6% in the league. Exit velocity, barrel rate, all above average, but just not hitting for hard hit rates above average as well. K rate is kind of in normal. Actually, it's been better than it has in three years or any point in his career, actually. Um, he was 31-2, 27-5, 33-4, previous three years, down to 26-7. So better, not great, but better. But I don't know. I feel like his metrics are better than his surface stats, but... I don't know. I kept holding on to the fact that he was, you know, had the tools to be a top 25 type of player, but maybe we just got to accept that he's not that type of guy. Yeah. And he started a trend last year that I don't like, and it's being overly patient in the box and you yes. mentioned the walk rate. And, you know, last year he had, I mean, he openly said that COVID affected him pretty bad last year. Right. And I don't know if that was the start of that trend. Just, you know, not he said he didn't have the energy. So did he not have the energy to just like swing the bat? I don't know. But the walk rate last year went from seven point two percent in twenty nineteen to twelve point one percent. Then you mentioned up to fourteen point two percent this year, and I don't like that with him. And you look, he's got two fifty six batting average. He's got a three forty seven BABIP right now. Like that's really high. And maybe he does carry a higher BABIP. I mean, for his career, he's three fifty nine. But also, he was really bloated in twenty nineteen with a four hundred six BABIP. You know. I don't, I don't see that sustaining, honestly. Like, yeah, he's got a good sprint speed, so maybe it sustains, but also his sprint speed is, is gone down at time. Like, right. he, we've seen that trend down a lot with him when he was the elite base stealer in the minor leagues. Like, his sprint speed was a lot better. And like you said, his profile is pretty interesting. Tough to really know what to make of it, but things you don't like to see is an OBP of 370 and a slug of 393 when those are so close like that. Yeah, it's it's not good at all. I mean, his contact metrics aren't like bad. I mean, the overall contact rate's up, like the highest of his career. 
He's swinging at less pitches out of the zone, but I just think he's being overly patient, and I don't think he's getting good pitches to hit. I think that's really what it comes down to here is that just overly patient, and the ground ball rate also is up this year, 43.7%. That's not terrible, but also when you're not hitting the ball hard on the fly balls, you're just not going to get the home runs. And he's already gotten 424 plate appearances this year, nine home runs. I just don't really like what I see despite, you know, hitting the ball decently hard and, you know, a decent hard hit rate. There's things to like in the profile, but I just think he's being overly selective. I think that's what it comes down to. And can that change? Certainly, but I, I don't really love what I've seen from him. I think he, he needs to go back to, you know, his 2019 self that we saw. I mean, he obviously was dominant then. It's easy to say he should go back to that person that, you know, hit 315 and hit 25 bombs and stole 10 just, bases. Just go back to being dominant, Yohan. Right. Now. <laughs> but he was swinging more. I mean, swinging more at, at good pitches. And even, I mean, I just think he's, I've said it a couple of times, so I'll stop saying it, but I just think he's being too patient. I think he needs to be more aggressive at the plate. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something he has to improve on. And another thing I noticed too, like he's been, I won't say struggling against fastballs this year, but he's been, pretty meh against fastballs and this is a guy that you know look you look at 2020 and 2019 especially he mashed fastballs 2019 hit 340 with a 606 slug 2020 even battling you know COVID issues 301 534 slug this year 251 360 slug so you know in fact he's not mashing fastballs he actually has more home runs he has five of his nine home runs are on breaking balls only three on fastballs and then one up on off speed. You know, that's kind of odd for a guy that's always had more home runs off of fastballs. And generally you think, you know, just because of how many fastballs are thrown, like for him, 60.1% are fastballs, 23-8 breaking, 16-1 on off speed. You're probably going to hit more home runs off fastballs, but he's just not performing well against fastballs this year. when he's actually pretty good against breaking balls um, in turn. But yeah, a lot of, I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying I'm worried about Yohan Moncada, because I think there's still a lot here that you know, there's still a lot to like. I still think he's a top 100 guy, but I don't think he's ever going to be what we thought he could be. Like, he's not running as much. I don't think he's more than a, you know, five to 10, maybe 12 at most steel guy moving forward. You know, maybe he, maybe he can get back to a 25, 10 type of player, but I don't know how much average he's got to hit for. He's never had great XBAs. You know, outside of the one year he was 280s, 260 this year. But outside of that, it's been 206, 219, 154. So you got to wonder if is he just a 260, 25, 5 to 10 player now, which is still, uh, still top 100. Um, but definitely, I don't think he's going to be a early round asset anymore. So um, definitely sliding him down my rankings. And a couple other corner infielders that have slid even more. Chris, what, what the heck has happened with Eugenio Suarez? this year and even last year i put a tweet out he's hitting under 200 since the start of 2020 like so i don't know if we just if it was that one really good year uh back in was it 20 well back to back 2018 2019 283 34 and then 271 and 49 home runs uh in 2019 at the same time he also led the league in strikeouts that year too that maybe that was a little bit of a you know telltale sign that we should be pumping the brakes on him but 202 and 57 games last year, 177 and 105, uh, 105 games this year. Yeah, he has 22 home runs and 61 RBI. That's still pretty solid. That's what 30, 85 pace or something like that right now. But 
is he anyone? I, I don't know. He just doesn't show that he can hit for average anymore. So I don't know. It's just like Chris Davis at this point, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know if I want anything to do with Suarez, even if I'm only paying a, you know, middling prospect price. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, sure. He's got 22 home runs. Adam Duvall has 23 and a better batting average. Right. So well, why should we be all in on Eugenio Suarez still? And I don't think anybody's still all in on him by any means, but it just shows you like the power is replaceable. Right. You can find, I mean, Kyle Seager, 24 home runs, 216 average, much better than Eugenio Suarez there. So yeah. you can find the guys like he's, I don't think he's going to, he shouldn't be a top 250 pick next year in redraft league, in my opinion. Because when you've seen that kind of production consistently, it's kind of says who he is, I think. And I don't know. The strikeouts, I think, ultimately kill him. But in reality, he doesn't even hit the ball that hard. His average exit velocity is just 88.2 miles an hour. And even during his big year, when he hit those what, 49 home runs, he had an 89.3 mile an hour average exit velocity. So you have to kind of wonder if he overperformed a little bit. You mentioned the strikeouts have always been a thing. His XBA that season was also 243. So there was some regression coming. He strikes out too much. The he just doesn't hit the ball that hard, despite a decent barrel rate. I mean, barrel rate is, you know, pretty solid. 87th percentile at 14.2%. He was 14.4 last year, 13.8 in 2019. So barrel rate's been consistently good, but there's not anything to really like in the profile, in my opinion. And yeah. I just don't have, see him have any value. He's over 30 now. And, you know, for a dynasty standpoint, if you could trade him and get something, I probably would. I just don't see him. He's an empty power guy, in my opinion. Yep. And empty power is so easy to find, as you mentioned. And like, I, I still think if I put out a poll saying, you know, who do you like more between Suarez, Duvall, and uh, who's the other guy you mentioned? Oh, Kyle, Kyle Seeger. I think people would still pick Suarez. Yeah. But I don't know value. if I would. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I still have him ranked higher than the other two in my dynasty rankings, but yeah, he's two, uh, two forty-two in my dynasty rankings right now, and you know, sliding every week. I, I update mine. I sit down on Sundays and kind of go over my updates, you know, th- from that week, and it's like I drop him down more and more every week. So I don't see any return here. Maybe, maybe a two thirty guy with thirty-five home runs, but maybe he can get back to being maybe one top one fifty to two hundred, maybe. But top 100, like he was before the season, nope. I think that Suarez is definitely gone here. Uh, any other these other hitters you want to talk about before we go over to to uh, pitchers here, Chris? Brian Hayes, that... Kevin Biggio, Alec Bohm. All these guys are kind of falling too. But yeah, nah. I think we've hit on those. I'm good. Let's go ahead and go to the pitchers. All right, pitchers. We got we got four names here that we want to talk about here. Um, let's start with the one that's kind of a big topic today on Twitter after his 13 strikeout game. Blake Snell, people want to believe in Blake Snell because it's kind of like, you know, the pitching version of, I don't want to say Cody Bellinger, but he had that one MVP, or in in Snell's case, Cy Young season back in, let me say Cy Young season, 2018 or 2019, I forget. Yeah, he was 18, if I'm not mistaken. 18, yeah. So he had that one dominant year, but like we were talking about before he came on the air, you take out the Cy Young season and his career era coming into today was 414 with a ton of strikeouts but 414 so 
it's in the in the whip. I'm, I didn't calculate the whip, but the whip. I'm, I would guess is like one three or something like that. Well, I mean, his career whip is already one point two eight. So I'm. Assuming. Oh yeah. Okay. There we go. So it's probably like one three five or something. And he like had that. a he had a point nine seven whip that season. So yeah, it's you know probably pushing you know one point three five or one point four. Right, and you know maybe something's changed here with him because he he was going fastball slider kind of predominantly today. So maybe that's something he goes you know tries to do more going forward and kind of limit the curveball and change up a bit more. But you, know, you look at the curveball, the slider obviously is his best pitch in general. 43.7% whiff rate, batters hitting 149 against it this year. But the curveball has been not as good, but pretty solid as well. Uh, 244 batting average against, and you know even, even higher whiff rate of 45.2%. But hitters have been really squared up on his fastball. 269 average, 527 slug. His changeup is, is just terrible. It, Three, uh, four thirty nine batting average against on his on his changeup, six ten slug. He could probably just get rid of that changeup. Um, it's not a good pitch for him this year. So I mean, he's only throwing at thirteen percent of the time, but still, it's getting hit hard. But I don't know. I, I don't. I struggle to f- figure out how I want to value Snell because you know, we still look at the uh, the upside. He still strikes out a ton of guys, and that has value. But I don't think. I think what we just talked about with his ratios outside of the Cy Young year, that's probably, I think, a fair expectation moving forward, like a four ERA, one three whip guy with a ton of Ks, but has a lot of walks. It's like he's kind of flip-flopped. Like, that's what Robbie Ray used to be, mm-hmm. who, we'll, who yeah. we'll talk about here in a little bit, and Ray's kind of made the flip-flop here. But I don't know. Is is Snell still a top, well, I'll say top 50 dynasty arm for you? Uh. He's probably borderline. I don't have the exact number, but I'm at 217 overall. So he's, I don't know. Yeah, might yeah, be that's up. that's probably 50 is for pitchers. Yeah. I, I think, I think I have probably 50 or so in my top 200. So, yeah. but I mean, yeah, you mentioned Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray's a career 408 ERA and 1.34 whip with there we go. a lot of strikeouts. That's, that's exactly who Snell is. But, he, you know? but he's, he's turned the corner miraculously this year and yep. is the best version of Robbie Ray we've ever seen. Uh, Snell, I don't know. He's weird. I just don't, I don't see him doing a lot moving forward. You, you look, there's a lot of things to not like in the profile. What is there to like in the profile? The strikeouts outside that's, of that. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> what else is there? Strikeouts I mean, and the whiff rate. That's it. Yeah. He had a dominant outing today. Like, and you know what, after that outing, his ERA is still four, eight, six, 1.56 whip. So yeah, you can call it what you want to, but I just don't think he's – you can't start him. Like, you can't ri- – I mean, yeah, you missed out on a great start today, but you can't start him because he's going to blow your ratios up, especially if you're in contention. Like, it's not a good idea in my opinion. Yeah, and hitters realize – like, yes, Snell still has good stuff. He has good fast velocity, and the breaking pitches move a ton. But hitters know that he has a hard time throwing strikes. And that's shown this year. The chase rate has gone down close to 9%. From last year, 33.3 down to 24.6%. His uh, whiff rate has gone down a little bit, still above league average, plenty above league, league average, but and the swing rate has gone down around 5%. His first pitch strike rate has gone down almost 8.5%. You know, hitters are just laying off more because they know, like, all right, you know, come in at me in the zone because we know you have a hard time throwing strikes for the most part. And pitchers just laying off, waiting for him to make a mistake, which he does often. You know, hang a curveball or whatever it may be, or just walk him. You know, his walk rate this year is all the way up 
to always had it from me 14.2 percent which is bottom five percent in the league that's just that's terrible not to get done and it wasn't like he was a control guy before but he was around last three years right around nine percent which is you know slightly below average and now he's gone to one of the worst control guys in baseball so yeah i don't know who would you rather have him or a guy that i saw him compared to in one of our our dm groups matt boyd who do you like more going forward um i still think i'd rather have snail but yeah, I mean, but, it's, it's crazy we're even considering that. Exactly. You know? Like, I still have snow too, but that, that was my point. Like, the fact that you had to actually, like, think about that for a second. It was, you weren't like, <laughs> right. boom, snow. Yeah. As we, you'd ask that, you know, four months ago. People would be like, what the heck are you talking about? Right. And now if you offer that like trade, people close. would laugh. Yeah. Right. And now it's, like, somewhat close. Right? They're at least in the same ballpark in terms of rankings. Right. Uh, I think I have, I think I have boy probably, like, 50 to 60 spots lower. But, yeah, snow is not someone I want to target. Like, I hate high walk rate guys. Like I, I make an exception for a guy like Peralta because he's just so nasty and he's been so damn good. But in general, I don't like to target high walk rate guys because it's just so much fluctuation year to year, month to month, week to week, start to start. It's just, it's maddening to roster these guys. So I want nothing to do with Blake Snow right now. I am hundred percent out. I still think he can be fantasy relevant, but I'll let him be someone else's headache. So yeah. Um, yeah, hundred percent agree. A couple other guys here that I think in the general, you know, population's thought process are followers. I'm using air quotes right now, but maybe not so much in Chris and I's rankings. And we'll kind of get into that. Aaron Nola, Zach Gallon, two guys that were drafted as fantasy aces this year, both having, I want. Would you even say they're having bad years? I wouldn't say they're having bad years. Maybe just down years for what we expected for them. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. And I, I think with Gallon, you can probably attest some of it to injury. You know, and who knows if he's right? Who knows if he'll need Tommy John? I really hope not. But I you know, <laughs> I think Noah's been just a product of bad luck. I mean, you look and at a terrible defense behind them. Yeah, right. That's what people <laughs> don't realize is that. The Phillies' defense is awful, like absolutely atrocious. It's like Harper's good, and then like the rest of the defense is pathetic. Yeah, and I don't know, like people don't understand how bad it is. I'll have to pull it up. At one point, like a couple weeks ago, they were the worst in defensive run saves by like 30 runs. Like it wasn't even close. I think they probably still are. They have to be. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably gotten worse. Like you got to imagine, like, golly, it's, it's not good. And that doesn't help him at all, you know? So that's something out of his control, and that's why you look at his underlying metrics. And you know, overall, they're not bad. So well, let's see if I gotta find that because it's just it's gonna bug me if not. But yeah, they were they were really right. bad. Well, well, while you find that, I'll dig into some of their stats here uh, quickly on the year. Nola in twenty two starts, four forty nine ERA, one sixteen WHIP. And Gallon in 13 starts, 462 ERA, 135 whip. Uh, both still have pretty solid strikeout rates. Uh, Nola is at 28.7%, which is well above league average. And Zach Gallon is at 273 But he's walking a little more this year than he did last year. But the XERA is almost a full run lower at 379 And I still, like, I'm still a believer. Like, I guess my question to you, and I know my answer to this question. Are they both still 
okay, let me rephrase it. Would you be comfortable drafting them as your fantasy ace? If you're in a dynasty startup right now, would you be comfortable drafting them as like back end fantasy aces or maybe even at, at the lowest and high end too? Yes, because that's normally the range like I start dynasty drafts with pitchers. Like I always go hitters early. And so yeah. I'm going to miss out on the, the high end guys. And, you know, I still think Nola, I have Nola 37th. I have Gallon 46th. So, yeah, I, I feel comfortable taking them in that range personally. I, you know, I think they'll rebound. I think, especially Nola, I think Nola has, you know, the ability to be a, easily a, a top 10, top five star. Cause he's, you know, usually so consistent. Like, yeah, he, outside of 2018, like he's never been like, holy cow, like easy SP one, but he's been so steady throughout his career. And even with this year, he's still been, you know, his career numbers are really good at 360 ERA, 1.16 whip. And you know, like you mentioned, I think that his Sierra this year is a 335. His FIP is a 355. His XERA is right around there as well. His walk rate is the lowest of his career. Like things you really like to see. And I think he'll be fine. I, I keep thinking it's going to come this season. Like he'll come back around. And even if it doesn't, I'll gladly take a discount at Nola next year. Oh, 100% agreed. And like the one thing I love about both of these guys and something I have talked about a ton is that they both have uh, five pitch arsenals and they both will attack both handedness hitters with all five pitches. Okay, granted, okay, one of Nola's is only a cutter at 1.3%, but he throws the sinker, four seamer, curve, and change to both sides almost equally. Like you look at the Savant page, and they're all basically equal amount to both sides of the plate. And the same thing was with Gallon, too. And with Gallon, you know, like I said, he, I think he's been a bit unlucky this year, too. And, and like, I think part of that, like you mentioned, is him not being able to kind of get get it going and get into a groove here because of the injuries, which all obviously factors into his value as well. But you look at his his four most thrown pitches, which are his four-seamer, change-up, slider, and curveball. You know, he has an XBA under 225 on all four of those, an X slug of 360 or less on – or 340 or less on three of them, and he has a whiff rate of 34% or above on all three of those secondaries that change sliding curve. So he's still, like, performing well under the, under the surface, but it's been a little bit unlucky in general. And I think in offseason – I think you'll probably see, like, similar production rest of the year, but in the offseason, you know, get hopefully back to 100% healthy – Kind of go into next year, clean slate, and get back to the gallon that we saw in 2019 and 2020s. I still think he's a, I think he's a fantasy ace. I think he's probably like that SP 11 to 15 range for me, kind of in the same range as guys like um, who's in that range for me. Maybe like a Rodone or a Hulio uh, Rice is a little bit lower, but he's still back end ace for me and and Nola too. So I definitely would buy low on both these guys. I think they're value in perceived value has dropped more than it should. So I think this opened a little bit of a good buy low here uh, moving forward. But let's go ahead and hit a quick break here. We'll come back on the other side and talk some risers. So stick with us. All right. Welcome back from the break, Chris. Let's get into our risers here. A lot of intriguing names on the list here. Uh, let's, let's again, start with the hitters. I think the biggest one, a guy that I'm writing an article about right now, Austin Riley has really, really taken off this season. And we kind of saw this, kind of like the start, the hint of a breakout 
last year, near the end of the year, uh, end of the year, so the last month of the season last year. Uh, but this year, 292, 369, 519 slash line, 23 home runs and 18 doubles in 110 games. And it's not just the surface stats. Like he's made a lot of tangible improvements. Uh, I said, this really has happened ever since, you know, I think it was 20, like early in 2020, where they found kind of like a hole in his swing and they worked to correct some of his mechanics. And he's really taken off since then. But like you look at some of the, you know, the plate discipline metrics here, and they're all going like chase contacts up, chase rate in general is down. Zone swing is good. Swing rate. And he's being more patient, more selective. His whiff rate's gone down. There's, there's a lot to like here with what he's doing. And, you know, the K rate especially has gone down uh, 24.7%. It was 23.8 last year as well, down from 36.4 in 2019. He's walking more. That's a lot to like here. As a Braves fan, how, you know, you've, you've probably seen him more than most here, you know, watching your Braves. Um, do you see him being top 100 moving forward? Because I do. Yeah, I think that's uh... – pretty easy which is nuts but uh, i've got him 92 and i think he could rise even higher which is crazy but you know there's tangible improvements like you mentioned i mean across the board the the metrics look really great and you know one of the biggest things is that you look at his launch angle over the years in 2019 the launch angle of 20.6 degrees way too high got down to 13.6 last year and 13 this year so you know, a lot more consistent there, which is fantastic. His sweet spot percentage is up, so he's hitting a lot of balls in that that zone where you want to get the optimal launch angles. And his strikeout rates have improved significantly starting back last season. You know, in 2019, he had a 36.4% strikeout rate. Last season, 23.8. This year, 24.7, which is very impressive there. The hard hit numbers are you know, 45%. Those are excellent. Barrel rate of 12.5% is really good. Hitting the ball hard, good launch angle, consistent contact. And yeah, 291, probably like a little high, but even still, a 274 XBA. I think he could be a 280 hitter, high OBP type guy. You love to see the change that he made because the Braves believed in him. People were calling for him to be traded after that slow start to his career. The Braves believed in him. They held on. They fixed what they saw. And he's made improvements. He's just 24 years old. So yeah. we got to remember how young he is. And when you see those kind of improvements at that age, it definitely shows, you know, impressive skill set. And, you know, one of the biggest things that he's done is just stop chasing so many pitches. A chase rate of 41.3% in 2019, 37% last year, just 32.6% this year. And the zone contact is steadily improved, which is fantastic. Hitting the ball on the ground less, which is great. So, yeah, the improvements are tangible. He's legit. I think he could be a top 75 dynasty guy pretty easily and, and maybe even push higher, which is crazy, but I think that's how legit he is. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, like I said, that's why I'm kind of writing the article because these are all tangible improvements. He's not just getting lucky. Well, I do agree that the you know batting average would be a little high, but XBA is 274. I think that's fair. 270, 275, 30-plus home runs ton of RBIs. He's a you'd be hitting right behind, you know, obviously not this year, but moving forward, Acuna, Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, you know, a lot of good guys he'll be hitting right behind. So I think 100 RBIs annually is in play too. He doesn't run at really at all, but you know, I think you can be a solid, you can be very good in two categories. 
pretty solid in the other two. Um, yes, yeah, so that's definitely a top 100 guy for me. So I'm definitely buying what Austin Riley is doing. Uh, going to a guy that's even further up my rankings, a guy that just joined the 2020 club here uh, today on Sunday, Cedric Mullins. Like, I think a lot of us were waiting for Mullins to cool down. It's not happening. I don't know if it's going to happen at this point. Like we're over two thirds of the way through the season and he's still tearing it up. You know, probably should get some top five MVP votes this year, but he, he won't because he's on Baltimore and Baltimore's atrocious in general. And I think the worst team in baseball or one of the worst, he's, they're at least the worst in the AL I saw earlier. Um, but right now coming into today, 320, 382, 546 slash 19 and 21. As I mentioned, he hit his 20th home run also has 28 doubles, you know, on pace for close to 100 run score, which is crazy with that lineup behind. And the lineup behind him is not terrible, but 100 run score in Baltimore is, is an accomplishment for sure. But this is a guy that is probably going to go 25, 25, maybe even flirt with 30, 30 at this point in time. And that's why I said he, I put that poll, who'd you rather have, but Bellinger or Mullins? And it's basically been 50 50 for the entire day. You know, do you see him sustaining top 50 you know value moving forward here in dynasty leagues chris yeah it might be crazy but i think it's possible i mean yeah everything matches up with what he's done and you know a former switch hitter that quit doing that and it's really benefited him which is crazy but yeah i mean everything you see looks legit i probably wouldn't expect him to continue to hit 320 like I don't really see that as sustainable, but maybe 293 under hitter. That's still pretty yeah. elite. His XBA is 282. Right. So that's still borderline elite right there. I mean, the contact rates have improved. He's done a lot of things that you want to see. And the biggest thing is really seeing his ground ball rate continually drop. I mean, in, yep. in 2019, 52.9%, 2020, 43.5%, and this year, 38.2%. The fly ball rate has been pretty steady, but his line drive rates up also, which helps the batting average out there. Yeah, he doesn't hit the ball extremely hard, but a barrel rate of 8.2% will play. And, you know, maybe maybe he's a 20 home run guy per season moving forward, but this year obviously already there. So I think it's all legit. I really, really like the profile. Top 50, I don't, you know, what's the difference in him and Trent Grisham at this point? Would you rather have him or Trent Grisham? I still have Grisham ranked a little higher, but that's close. Yeah, I do too. There's not a big gap between the two of them. I have Grisham higher, but maybe that's something I need to revisit. And right right now, I've got like a 50 spot gap between them. But yeah, mine's a lot. I probably have. I think they're 10 to 15 for me. Or I think I have Grisham around 40, and yeah, Mullins in like 55 range or so right now. But it's definitely, you know, a valid question. And yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be a 30. You know, he might push 30 home runs this year. He's not a 30 home run guy, but 20 definitely because so the the quality of contact is good, not great, but good. Add in the fact that he plays his home games in a hitter's park like um, Camden Yards and has a bunch of other games in Fenway, Yankee Stadium, whatever ballpark Toronto will be playing in, which hopefully is, stays at Toronto moving forward. Hopefully we don't have any more, you know, pandemic stuff where they have to move ballparks but at least what that's so that's 
around three quarters of his games are in good hitters parks. So that that'll elevate, give an extra of you know four, five home runs or so. So I think you know, maybe in a neutral park, he's a you know 16, 17, 18 home run guy. I think he can be low twenties moving forward here. Um, I think the speed is legit. Like the sprint speed definitely backs up the speed that he's showing this year. Uh, his sprint speed is eighty ninth percentile, so very very good there. Doesn't really struggle against any pitch type. Three forty two of fastballs, three hundred five of breaking balls. His worst is a two seventy five off off speed, and that's already backed up like two sixty or above XBA in all three pitch types. So yeah, d- doesn't whiff a ton. It's definitely a rock solid. You know, I, I don't think he's going to be like this year. He's what a top fifteen player or so. I don't think he's going to magically be a you know top two round guy. Someone you're building your team around, but definitely could be. You know, I would love to have him as like my number two outfielder moving forward. Get one of the big big guns. I'll get like a a Mookie or a Soto or someone like that. Kyle Tucker is my number one. And then Mullins, I think, is a very very good outfield too moving forward. So definitely buying what he's doing this year. Uh, I think he's definitely top 50 moving forward, or at least top 50-ish. A um, couple other, some infielders here that round out are, are hitting risers. Jonathan India, who's been just solid, like not a standout anywhere, but just solid across the board. 287, 406, 465 slash, 13 home runs, 7 steals, 64 runs, kind of settled in as the leadoff hitter for Cincinnati, and they've really, really needed a leadoff hitter. They have a lot of power bats, so he fits kind of in well at the top of that order. Good OBP guy, guy that could be 15 to 20 home runs, 10 to 15 steals, a lot of runs scored. So I think he's just one of those sneaky, good kind of players that this doesn't get as much love as he should. So where do you have, uh, where do you value India moving forward? Do you think he's top, potentially top 150 moving forward? Yeah, especially in an OBP format. I mean, he has the fifth highest OBP among qualified hitters behind Soto, yeah. Harper, Vlad, and Muncie. That's pretty solid. And the yeah, batting that's, average, that's a good list to be on. Yeah, and even the batting average at 287 is really respectable. You know, he keeps the K rate at 22.5%. That's fine. That's not, you know, elite, but it's fine. I mean, 13.7, not too bad there. And you, have, you look at a per 600 pace, I don't know. God, that's probably 2015-ish. 2014 that's you know maybe a little less on the stolen bases but still like you know pretty solid profile i bumped him to 144 in obp dynasty ranks which you know maybe a little aggressive but i think people are still kind of sleeping on the value here and i think he's finally figured it out and you know there's a reason that people were high on him at one point and again he's still young just 24 years old and it's not uncommon for guys like that to come around and really figure it out so Love the ballpark too. Like the ballpark is fantastic for him, especially a guy with, you know, I would say fringe power. The ballpark definitely aids him there. And, you know, really good contact across the board. The biggest fault with him is just too many ground balls, which again, if he can fix that, then man, he could really take off. Cause he's right now he's got a 48.6% ground ball rate. So I'd love to see that kind of swing the opposite way, but he's been impressive. And I don't think people have realized that, He's been just steady and really, really good. Yeah, I think these types of guys go under the radar, you know, a good amount. But I, I think he's, you know, it wouldn't surprise OBP. I could see him being top 100. And yeah. This is like what he showed at Florida. What he showed at Florida is basically what he's showing now. He's a high OBP guy. 
not the biggest power speed guy in the world, but solid in both areas, you know, a good, a solid above average hitter as well. So yeah, I think 280, you know, two, at least 270 plus hitter pushing 400 OBP. Like he's always been a, a good walk rate guy. Um, yeah. I think he's just very underrated and I think he's just a perfect guy to put in at the top of that order with all the big boppers behind him that they have. So definitely like in the uh, lies moving up my rankings and someone that you can probably still get for a pretty reasonable price tag is because he's not the flashy guy with the huge upside. So those guys, the price tags usually stay a little bit suppressed. So definitely a great target in dynasty leagues. And the last two hitters we have on the list here, Willie Adames and Abraham Toro, who both have really taken off after getting traded to new teams. Adames was, you know, a month or two before Toro. I would just look at what Adames has done since he went from Tampa Bay to Milwaukee. 293, 376, 554 slash, 20 doubles and 15 home runs in 67 games, along with 44 runs, 45 RBI. So in Milwaukee, he's basically on a 35, 110, 110 pace or in that general vicinity. With a good average, good OBP, he's walking above 10%, cut the K rate down. And this is kind of what we hope for when he got traded because you looked at the home road splits for him they were pretty drastic he was not good at the trop which i don't blame him on <laughs> i mean the trop is not a great place to play in general uh getting him out of the trop into a good hitters park i i am fully buying what adamas is doing and you know at this point you know, he's, he's still only 25 like I, I think he's a guy that feels older than he is like i if you ask me i guess what i would have guessed 27 but he's still only 25 years old uh, he'll be 26 here in about a month or so. Still very young, entering his you know quote unquote prime physical years. I think there's a definite chance that he could settle in as a you know I don't I wouldn't say top 10 shortstop, but top 15 I think is possible. Like I'll ask you, what's the big difference between him and a guy like Carlos Correa right now? Yeah, I mean not a lot. And you look <laughs> at the career splits, like you mentioned. I mean. There's a big difference in his home road splits for his career. A 313 hitter on the road, a 206 hitter at home. Sorry, that was just for 2021. My apologies. For his career, 303 on the road and 221 at home. So, yeah, still a big gap. 33 home runs on the road versus 25 at home. Less games on the road. So, I think he's legit. I really do. I buy what he's done. It's been highly impressive since coming over to Milwaukee and like you said I think that he's he's got it I think top 20 top 15 shortstop pretty easily actually yeah. and I buy the gains and I'm all here for it as am I you know I've always kind of been a Willie Adamas guy even through his struggles I've always kind of liked him so glad that he got out of the trop and yeah if you want a guy that can put up Carlos Correa production without the price tag of Carlos Correa Go get Willie Adamas. You can get him for a much lesser cost right now. But yeah, I think he definitely could be top 150 here moving forward. And as for Abraham Toro, you know, I'm not quite as high on him, but and obviously his is a much smaller sample size since coming over from Houston at the deadline. But in 11 games, 425, 489, 750 slash, four doubles, three home runs, and a steal, four walks to four Ks, which I think you know, he's he's always been a good hitter. Like doesn't have the lofty upside. He's not going to be a 30 home run guy. Doesn't really steal much at all. Maybe he's, he's a handful of steals per year, but he showed them that, you know, in the 
upper levels of the minors that he is a above average hitter. He has a good approach. He's always had great strikeout to walk ratios. So I think he's another guy that's got to kind of fly under the, not fly under the radar, but not get as much love as he probably should because he's not flashy. But I think 280, 20 to 25 home runs is definitely in play. He'll have a, a good OBP as well, probably 360 plus because he's always been a decent walk rate guy as well. So I definitely have him on the rise here. Not as much as Adames or India or any other guy we've talked about, but I definitely think he's a he's a guy that's trending up right now. Yeah, and I really like the landing spot, especially, you know, in Seattle, he can just kind of be a dude and do his thing, you know. And yep. in Houston, not, not, not I think much there's, pressure there. Yeah. In Houston, there's definitely a higher expectation. And yeah, the sample's small, but 45 plate appearances is coming over, 425 average, 489 OBP, 750 slug three home runs and he was always like a high contact type guy. And you know, that's been steady. He's got a near 90% contact rate or zone contact, excuse me, and an 85% overall contact rate, which is, is really good. And you know, the biggest thing for him is he's hitting more fly balls this year and is resulting in some more home runs. So I do like the power gains that are coming. I think he was intriguing as a prospect and again, just 24 years old. So not out of the question that he could be, steadily improving and coming into his own. So yeah, Toro's a guy that I think you get really cheap right now and he can provide you some value. Absolutely. And, and I was a, I was never a, a big Toro guy as a prospect, but I'm slowly warming up to him as, and he's, cause he's, you know, shown to me, he can be a pretty good hitter at the highest level and a guy that might have dual eligibility next year too, second base, third base. So um, he could be like a, you know, what we saw from Jeff McNeil a few years ago, he could be that type of player everything kind of breaks right so uh definitely a guy that i'm targeting here in dynasty leagues right now even though his price is kind of shooting everyone seems to like abraham tor right now he's one of, one of the hot names so um, but definitely a name on the rise for sure right, let's move over to pitchers here before we get out of here you know the first let's start with a, a couple toronto names here robbie we mentioned you know kind of mentioned him earlier robbie ray is having the best season of his life and I don't even know if he pitches well, like, you know, uh, the minors or anything like that. He's just having an absolutely phenomenal season. And Alec Manoa, you know, one of the hottest rookies of this 2021 season. You know, Ray, I mentioned great season, 290 ERA, 1.07 whip. His previous career high for a whip in a single season was 115 in 2017, which was his previous best year. He had top 10 Cy Young voting that year. And outside of that, it's been above 1.33 every other year. Um, ZRA has been 3.5 or higher every other year. So having arguably just as good of a year as he had back then, and maybe even better because the walk rate is lower. This is the best walk rate we've seen from Robbie Ray. I think at any point in his career, especially in the StatCast era, which started in 2015, uh, his highest or his best was 9% back in 2015. 6.7% this year with a 30.2% K rate. So the striker rate has remained solid agreement elite. Actually, I should say while the walk rate has, has dipped, you know, the X ERA is a bit higher, but you know, he's made a lot of good improvements this year with rate above 45% on both the slider and the curveball. You know, nobody's really squaring up his fastball anymore, which was an issue for him in the past. A lot of good things here. So, are you a believer in this Robbie Ray or do you think he kind of regresses back to somewhat of what in the middle of what we've seen the last couple of years and what we're seeing this year? 
I kind of wonder if it's going to be one of those things where he'll just be in the middle of what we've seen. But even still, that would be a solid pitcher because he's been solid in the past. I don't know. I mean, the improvements are tangible, so it's hard to argue against that for sure. But I don't know. I look at his like heat map of his pitches, and he's it's interesting he's getting away with his four seam. Like he's throwing it 60% of the time, and he likes to leave it over the heart of the plate. I'm surprised he just has a 213 batting average against. Now, he does have 14 home runs allowed against that pitch, but still, you know, it's interesting to see. Obviously, the slider and curve are, you know, big time put away pitches. I, I would argue he's basically a four seam slider pitcher. I mean, he throws the curve 7% of the time, change up 4% of the time, but, right. you know, 44.7% whiff rate on the slider is really good. So, you know, even if he can function with just those two, I think. He'll be fine because the slider, I think, is good enough to perform. But I'll be interested to see how his fastball performs moving forward because you're just looking at how he locates it. At least the heat, the majority of his pitches are kind of over the heart. Like, and maybe he can get away with it, velo. But still, it's it's definitely interesting. But yeah, I think you're going to see somewhere in the middle with him, not like a sub three ERA, but maybe like a, a mid three ERA. Yeah, because the fact that he's still giving up, you know, a lot of home runs, like you mentioned. He's giving up 20, uh, 22 on the season. So, yeah, I definitely got to wonder if some regression's coming. Like I said the XERA is about, you know, two-thirds of a run lower. So, um, yeah, I do think some regression's coming. But not to the point – I don't think he's going to regress back to, you know, the ray that we've seen over the last handful of years. It's been an absolute nightmare for fantasy purposes. But definitely – Definitely like what he's doing. Like I said, the walk rate dropping is great. Uh, and that's definitely a tangible improvement there. Maybe not believing it fully, but uh, definitely I'm buying back in on Robbie Ray. And as for, you know, Alec Manoa, you know, he's had a, a very good rookie year where most rookies have been faltering. 258 ERA, 101 whip in 10 starts. You know, he's not striking out quite as many as we thought, even though it's still 20, actually it's still 28.2%. I'm sorry. I thought it was lower than that, but 28.2% K rate, 8.9% walk rate. XERA is good at, at 328. So a lot to like here. Going forward, Chris, do you, where do, where do you have Manoa in terms of just pitching uh, guys in dynasty? Do you think he can be, do you think he can be a fantasy ace or is he more a guy that's like a number two guy going forward? I think he's number two, but I think he's a solid number two. And especially with what he's done his age. I mean, just very dominant to see a pitcher come up and perform at this level. And it's hard to argue against that. And, you know, props to James Anderson because he put him as his number one pitching prospect, you know, like before the year. And it's just looked really good. So he's been impressive. I was low on him like prior to spring training and, you know, I was completely wrong, but yeah, I think he can be a solid SP2. I think he's really good. I think what he's done is, you know, legit. You look at everything, and he's got a great pitch mix. It's kind of hard to argue against what he does. Obviously, you know, slider's a, a really good pitch there. All of his pitches look good, minus the changeup. But still, you know, the slider's kind of his go-to strikeout pitch there. I'd like to see the strikeouts tick up a hair. And if they do, then shoot, he may can push that, you know, high-end SP2 status. But... Yeah, overall, the profile is really good, and I think what he's doing is completely sustainable. So uh, I'm all in. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Uh, moving on here to a few more names on the list before we get out of here, but we're going a little long, so we'll kind of speed up these last couple of names here. You know, we got Freddie Peralta, Herman Marquez, Sean Manaya, 
Patrick Sandoval. Now, Chris, just pick one of these guys and, and run with it. Maybe let's, let's go with Sharmanaya because he's all of a sudden striking out more guys than he ever has. Are, are you are you a Manaya guy? Are you a believer in this performance, or do you think you'd kind of sell high in dynasty right now while his he's kind of a, a hot name right now? Yeah, I think it's um, probably a good sell high here. Yeah, I mean he's been good until I mean his last start was was really rough against uh, yeah. the Padres, but yeah, I mean he allowed five earned runs in four innings. But prior to that, I mean, he had been pretty good. There had been some a couple bumps in the road, but overall, you can't argue with what he's done on the year. I mean, three two six ERA over twenty two starts. The strikeout rate, like you mentioned, has ticked up significantly to near twenty seven percent, which is you know from twenty point three percent last year, really good. His walk rates have always been good, so those are things you like to see. Yeah, his xERA three six six, so a little higher, but still, you know, pretty solid. And you know, I just I don't know, like, it's tough to gauge, like, how people value him. I don't know if you could get a ton for him in return, so he may be a type of guy where you kind of hang with him and and see where he goes, because maybe in time, I think the value could tick up, but, yeah, I don't don't see him having, like, a ton of dynasty value right now where you could go out and say, get, like, a, I don't know, like, a top 100 type guy, but, you know, I, I may dangle him in a trade and see what you could get, but if not... I'm fine holding on to him and kind of seeing where it goes because, you know, he's shown in the past that he's capable of being a solid starter. I think we saw that back in 2018 when he was really good. And then, you know, 2019, we didn't see a ton of him. And then last year, struggled a good bit. But I think there's talent here. I think that I would see what I could get for him, but I'm not going to sell him just to sell him. Yeah. No, that, that's totally fair. I, I, I don't believe in this Mania that we've seen. Like, I think what we've seen from him, like he's a guy that's always had like solid ratios can help you there. But the K rate has always been kind of mediocre. I, I just don't see him sustaining this K rate that he's shown this year. So he's definitely a guy that I would, yeah, I agree. I don't think I'd just sell him for the point of selling him, but um, definitely if someone gives you a solid offer for him, I would not be opposed to trading him right now. Um, the last two names here, Herman Marquez, who it, always a, a hot topic on Twitter because people either love Herman Marquez or they don't love Herman Marquez. Uh, and then Freddie Peralta here. Let's go with Peralta first. Is he a fantasy ace for you moving forward in Dynasty Leagues, Chris? Because for me, I, I think that's a resounding yes at this point. Yeah, the walk rate is still high, but it's always kind of been high. But it doesn't look like it really doesn't hurt him much at all because He's been absolutely dominant this year. 221 ERA, 0.89 whip, 34.5% strikeout rate, which is in the top 6% of the league. XERA is still 248, which is one of the best XERAs in baseball right now. He gets whiffs on all of his. He has five pitches that all have a 28% whiff rate or above. I'm not sure if there's another pitcher. Okay, okay, sorry. The sinkers are only throwing 0.9%, so take that out. But four pitches of 28% or above, that's hard to do right there with the slider leading the way at 44.7%. XBA below 200 on all of those pitches. It's hard to – I bet you couldn't find another pitcher in baseball with four pitches with an XBA below 200 and a whiff rate above 28% on all four pitches. That's hard to do right there. So, yeah, the walk rate's still high, but he's kind of checked up all the boxes I look for personally – in a fantasy ace. So I am definitely valuing him as an ace moving forward right around a top 10 arm for me right now. So are, are you kind of in that same level with him? Or are you a bit lower? 
Yeah, I have him SP11 for Dynasty. Okay. I keep having the concerns that they're going to like pull back on his innings, but they haven't. Like, you know, they, they did like they... one start. It was like yeah. one start. He went like four, but I think his last one was six, I want to say. Yep. He's going six the last two. Okay. So, last two. Okay. Yep. That's been encouraging. Yep. He did five innings against the Reds, four innings against the White Sox in late July, and then July 29th, six innings, and August 4th, six innings. So, yeah. I mean, he's been, like you said, he's been stellar across the board. Hard to argue with what he's done. I'd like to see the walk rate tick down a hair, but even if he stays around 10%, we saw Corbin Burns make a huge improvement with that this year. So it's not out of the question they can do that. He's just 25 years old, still plenty of time for him to improve. And if he does, golly, hard to imagine like what he could become if he gets the walk rate down a hair. But yeah, I mean, he's been stellar. I'd buy if you can at an affordable price. I don't think the price will be affordable, but I'd at least give it a shot and see. Yeah, I believe in what he's doing right now. So if you have Peralta, I think more so approach it from that angle. If you have him and people are trying to buy him from you, or I shouldn't say you know, trying to trade for him, I, I, want, I would ask for the moon because he is a fantasy ace for me moving forward. Absolutely. Um, Herman Marquez, on the other hand... I don't know. He's good. Like I, I've I've been lower on Marquez than most, but he's good. But I don't. I just people talk about him like he's an ace or like a number two for fantasy. He's not. Like he's gotten better this year. ERA is down to three forty two, which is uh, I think a career best marker at least in the last several years. His strikeout rate is up to twenty five point four percent, which is above league average. Finally, um, but still kind of like middle of the road. Limits hard contact well, doesn't allow a lot of barrels, which is good. Uh, but until he gets out of cores, like I'm not, it's like almost like the Trevor Story thing. Everyone's like, uh, one, or it's like opposite though. Like when Story leaves cores, all will drop down, but he's still in cores. And with Marquez, like, oh, when he gets out of cores, but he's still in cores. I think people kind of like value him for what he could be when he gets out of that ballpark instead of what he is now. He's like um SP, uh, let's see. Maybe so. Fifteen teamers. Is he an SP three for you? Top forty-five arm, or is he? You know, I think he's right around there, like back end three, high end four for me. I think that's fair. What about you? Yeah, I definitely think he's that level. And you mentioned it's so funny because the splits are interesting. He's got three hundred five ERA at home and a four ERA on the road. I know this year, like and that fact is in like happen? people like, assume he's just getting a lot better. Like he's been better at home this year than on the road. Yeah, and his strikeout rates are just middling. The walk rate has consistently gotten worse. So. Yeah, I mean, I like him. I think he's provided good value this year, but yeah, I'm not going crazy about him by any means. Yeah, he's still young. He's just 26. I'd love to see what he could do outside of course field, but right now, I mean, they have a club option at 2024, so he ain't leaving anytime soon unless they trade him. Exactly, and, I, and why would they? Like, yeah, if you're well, Colorado, we uh, we've seen do some really wacky head, stuff. Yeah, I was trying to think of a, a word here that wasn't insulting, like head scratching <laughs> moves, but they're trying to get more pitching there and they, you really can't, if you're Colorado, unless you overpay by a ton and they're not like a huge payroll team, you can't really bring in a, a big free agent pitcher to Colorado because who, who wants to go to Colorado? Right. So you, you either got, you have to develop your own. That's what they did with Marquez. So why would you get rid of him? Like you need more to add to Marquez. You trade him away. You're just furthering yourself from your long-term goal of being a, a contending team. So, yeah, I don't see him leaving cores anytime soon. Uh, but one thing for me with I don't, I don't, I just don't value guys highly. You know, I said I valued him 
I think decently at this point. I think he's top 200 for me overall. But, you know, guys that don't have good fastballs. Like, he has the velocities around 95 miles an hour. But he each of the last see, four or five, it's like every year, like every year of his career, dating back to 2016, this is his, his batting average against and his XBA on his fastball each year. 2016, 333, 348. 2017, 292, 283. 2018, 312, 286. 2019, 296, 318. 2020, 333, 311. And this year, 239, but with a 305 XBA. It, his fastball is just not a good pitch. And when you're a pitch that's thrown about, you know, he's been around, you know, 40%, up, give or take, you know, for the last several years. That's just not a good pitch for him. So you don't have a good fastball. Like that's where it all starts, really. You need a good fastball. He just doesn't have that. So, so I have bumped him up, but I feel like others around me have bumped him up even more. So if you have Marquez, someone comes in with a, a hot offer for him, kind of like Manaya, I would be definitely okay selling him here. Um, did you want to touch on any other names here, Chris? Like we have uh, Patrick Sandoval, Chris Bassett, Logan Webb, or are you good with that? Yeah, I think I'm good. Uh, some They're interesting, but they're not like – Overly intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. They but all those have been moving up. Yeah, definitely some names to target there for sure. Uh, just be Sandoval and Webb. I think they're you can get them for a pretty realistic price tag, pretty cheap price tag too. And they're both pitching very well out there on the West Coast. A couple other names to at least keep an eye on there moving forward. But that is going to wrap us up. Thanks everyone for tuning in again this week. We hope you all enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at Aircross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at FantraxHQ.com or over on Patreon. Make sure to tune in again next week for more Dynasty and Prospect Talk. But until then, everyone take care. Yeah.